Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. We're back, people. Shots fired in the building, and we're core it this week. We have all the superstars joining Sanga Malata and Lord Barrow Spodley. Let your saga sing to us. Sing it, Angie. What up? What up? What up? Okay, we'll rewind and we'll, we'll let we'll let your saga sing. Sing. Rolling in out of love. I can't. I can't. Why? Why would you bring that to the table? I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just, um, it, it, it just felt right, you know. Because we haven't been, we have, we haven't rolled four deep for a while, you know. Yeah. Well, exactly. And uh, we've got lots on the docket today, so let's crack on and crack on quickly. I'm gonna spin the bottle, and whoever it stops next to, I'm gonna go with Kairos. Excellent, excellent. Listen, we just saw the news about Kevin Lee moving to 170 taking on a fight that no one wants to take on. I want your opinions right now. Contender or pretender for Kevin Lee at 170? Because me personally, I think enough is enough. You are a large person, but you're not a welterweight. You got no business fighting that welterweight. And I think this is just another fight that he's going to put on his career that's going to be a resulting of an L versus him just having the discipline to go back down to 55, worry about his cardio issues, and worry about his dietary issues. If you ask me, I think that TriStar is off to ruining another MMA career, but you know, I could be wrong. For us, Sahabi and them, they should be ashamed of themselves for allowing this to happen. They should dang well be ashamed of themselves. And I'm sick and tired of people acting like they are a great gym. They are not a great gym. Now, let's go with Michael Morgan on his opinion on contender or pretender for Kevin. It's a shame because I thought with the whole tats, I thought with the whole kind of reimagining of Kevin Lee that we were looking at a rebirth. We were looking at somebody who was going to come back and bounce back bigger than ever, but it, it strikes me that this is the wrong move. This is the wrong play. This is the wrong direction. And I've not really got more to add to what you've just said there in terms of where I see this heading. It's going to be the letter L. Yeah, I mean, Sean Brady, he looked uh, he looked impressive. Who did he fight? Uh, well, he dominated Jake Matthews, which is no easy, easy feat. And I think he submitted him. Uh, if memory serves me correctly, I I, I, can't, I can't remember, but I mean, I I think Kyrus, what what you said what you said is true. I think that with more discipline and more uh, more more uh, more focus on his strength strength and conditioning, I think that Kevin Lee can be a force at at one fifty five. And let's not forget, obviously he bounced back with that emphatic knock knockout of uh, of who, who was a great Gregor Gillespie. Who, yeah. He sent to the shadow realm, and then obviously he lost to Charles Oliveira. But I mean, look at where Charles Oliveira is right now. Charles Oliveira is at the top of the 150 pound, mm-hmm. five pound division. So I, I was shocked to see that he's he's moved up to to 170 because yeah yeah as you said he's a big guy, but he's a tweener. He's not big enough to 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 fight the well, 
to, to fight the Usmans of the world, the, the six foot ones and like built like a, a Greek Adonis and what have you. And Sean Brady is a big, big guy as well. Like, I mean, Jake Matthews is a big guy and he dwarfed him at 170. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it. I'm a Motown Phenom uh, fan and I'm sure you are obviously hailing from Detroit yourself, but I don't see this fight going his way. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with all three of you. I'm a huge uh, Kevin Lee fan, and he's pretty awesome. But I will say that I, him fighting at 170 um, gives me concern. It makes me wonder if he's still looking for like a home in his division. And also, is he at the right gym like Kairos mentioned? Also, let's talk about Sean Brady, his opponent that he'll be facing when he gets back. And here's why I'm worried. Sean Brady has been fighting every year since 2013 and he hasn't he hasn't lost yet okay he's undefeated and he's a fresh fighter he fights at least once to twice a year okay kevin lee has two knees that are damaged and he's coming back after a long layoff and he's not fighting in his natural weight class against someone that is undefeated and that is a fresh fighter and is in his groove and in his prime i think kevin lee is going to take an l here but i think after he takes an l here he's going to do some real serious career revamping because he has to. So it might be some good might come out of this, but I'm not picking Kevin Lee to win. And it breaks my heart to say that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm all for fighters trying to find new homes in terms of, of weight classes and, and being healthy. Most importantly, G, because you remember mm -hmm. how Kevin Lee looked at the, uh, the ceremony, no, the, the morning weigh-ins at UFC 244 that we are both at the way he sucks down to 155 pounds is arguably it's, it's almost on par with when Connor used to cut down to 145 because yeah. Kevin Lee is so sucked in and like he, he's a big he's a big jack guy anyway and just everything oh man it, it doesn't look good so yeah I, I understand the the logic moving up and, and being healthier but and now I've, I, when I thought about this I thought oh yeah well Kevin Lee's kind of the same size of RDA as RDA as well but RDA had, had success but they have different different skill sets and yeah I think RDA was 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 in a better position to be going up to to 170 but I I, I just don't like the idea don't get me wrong I'd, I'd like to see him bounce back and, and get the win but as you say against this unbeaten phenom and uh and sean brady who's who's a dark horse in division i mean to do what he did to jake matthews for uh for nearly three rounds obviously he submitted him with i think like a minute to go he absolutely mm -hmm. dominated jake matthews that that is no easy feat and if kevin's not careful that could happen to him i mean kudos to him for taking this fight but yes. i think in mma the fighters need to start thinking about <laughs> The trajectory of their careers when they're coming back from a lengthy layup you need to you need to take a layup you need to do what connor did with with cowboy you need to take a layup fight every every now and then just to get back into the group especially after having back-to-back -back knee injuries like like kevin has as well so yeah while i'm a bit worried about the matchup for him i'm looking forward to it but i'm just concerned that he might have another l on on, on his record but who am I? Who am I to to say that he could come out and surprise us? He could land another left kick from hell and just send him yep. to the shadow realm. But even correct. if he dominates him, even if he dominates, because Kevin Lee also had an impressive showing to Jake Matthews too. He submitted him, I think, in the yep. first or second round too. But it's like even if you win, do you really win? Your biggest enemy right now are the people that you have around you telling you that you need to do this and fight at one seventy. Like at some point, fighters got to say maybe I shouldn't be finding a new home in a weight class. I need to be finding a new home for a gym. 
there's too many dangerous people around fighters right now influencing them right now. I think one of you guys have a topic on us. So we won't dive into that. But I just really yeah. think he needs to get the fuck out of TriStar. Every fighter that wants to be successful needs to leave TriStar. There, I said it. Okay, whoa, well, well, yeah. Uh, I, I okay, explain, explain. I'm, 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 I'm a bit. Well, the, the home of of George St. Pierre and many other many other greats. Well, I know you're gonna say greats of time gone by, but let's. Let, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your um your theory for why TriStar is no longer the um, the mecca as to, as it used once was. Sorry. But sport changes and times have changed. Sure, Faraz Sahabi has done some great things with a select few mixed martial artists, but it's 2021. Who does he currently have that's being successful in weight classes and is currently ranked? We don't need to talk about GSB. We don't need to talk about Rory McDonald. Let's talk about the people that are here right now competing, that are successful at TriStar. Same with Rufus Sport. Same with what is the other. There are so many gyms that people continue to say are the gold standard, but they are putting out gold standard performances. Your own brother, Ayman Zahabi, is struggling to get on a winning streak. He's the direct representative of you. So at some point, fighters, it's not even that. And also, let me shift my mind from that, because it's not that it's a bad gym. It's just yeah. a gym that's not working for you. It's, it's, not, it's unfair to, for me to say it's a bad gym and they're bad yeah. coaches, because that's not true. They know what they're doing. But it's not a good fit for you. And it's not a good fit for a lot of the fighters that are there. We got to get out. I think fighters need to get out of this mindset of, if I go train other places, I'm being disloyal. Well, you're on a five-fight losing streak. It's time for you to be disloyal because being loyal isn't getting you anywhere. Like, you got to make some changes. And I think Kevin Lee needs to make some changes. Even if he wins this fight, he should not remain at that gym and he should not remain at welterweight. That's just my two biggest points right now. I think when it comes to Kevin, because obviously he's he was trying to find a home following the passing of uh, Robert Follis, yeah. obviously his head coach. So, I mean, it's, it, it's difficult for a fighter to up sticks and in normal circumstances, but to do it following the loss of someone so close to you and was so influential, I, I, I can't imagine how, how, how that feeling and how and how it is. But I mean, I'm not ready to completely write off the uh, Kevin Lee experiment at, at TriStar. I think, as you say, if if things aren't if things aren't great in this fight or in the next fight, then potentially yes, you, you should think about moving on and maybe going down to an ATT, which seems to be the, the gold standard at the, at this moment in time, but we'll see. Okay. Moving swiftly on then the next uh, person to actually take up the mic and uncock their 45 Glock 45. I think it would be in uh, this young lady's case is Jim. Jim before we, before we move on. Not only are you looking fresh to death and suited and booted, what are you doing with your face to look so young? You look <laughs> like a million bucks. Something fresh about your face. You look, you look like you've taken 10 years off. Mm -hmm. Brother, I'm guess what? I'm back in the gym. Routine, wow. Monday through Thursday. And I'm Ooh. drinking lemon water. Okay. Like we don't know. Yes. Right. So I'm healthy. Gina's back. The routine is back fully vaccinated, feeling good, lifting weights, I'm back. So I'm glad you can see it. Incredible. Your skin Thank looks you. beautiful. Anyway. I keep, I keep trying to tell bitches to drink more water. I'll be on the timeline <laughs> saying it. Don't I? Don't I? For, for more than one reason than skin tone. But we'll talk about that later. So just, just before we move on, you know, you and I doing the whole fasting thing. Can I drink lemon water when I'm fasting? Because they're telling me no. They're saying just water. It should just be water, but I do drink the lemon water because like, who's judging me? 
I'm not being sponsored or anything. What the fuck? I didn't eat all day. I drank water, black coffee, and tea. Suck my dick. Drink the lemon water, Mike. All right. Drink the lemon water. Over to you. What you bring to the table this week? Well, you know I like to cluck, so we're gonna um, gossip a little bit about Usman and Connor having a war of the words. I'm sorry if I'm talking like this. I'm at work. Um, so. Usman had some really interesting things to say about Connor as of lately, as of recently. And here's what he said to ESPN. He said, Usman said this about Connor. He said, he's a loudmouth. He's a guy that can compete, but he's not a champion. He's not the champion, Connor McGregor. He's not the double champion. He's not that guy anymore. Mike, you need tissues, right? <laughs> right I'm holding myself back. Good, good. But, you know, I got some if you need some. Um, moving right along. <laughs> he's, he's just a guy that's in the UFC. If he wasn't Connor and hasn't done the things that he's done, he would just be a regular fight. The level of respect he gets now, he's just a regular fighter with a lot of money and a lot of hype and recognition. The old Connor, the hungry Connor, that was the fighter that the fighters respected. Now, not that we don't respect him at all. He's still a UFC fighter, but just a regular fighter. Here's what we're going to talk about, fellas. Will we ever see a successful Conor McGregor again? And when I say a successful Conor McGregor, I mean recent, not journeyman. He's gone. But I'm talking about rich ass Conor McGregor that's sitting at home on a yacht right now. Will he ever be a successful fighter again? Two-part question. And is there any truth to what Usman is saying? I'm going to start with yeah, there's 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 a degree of truth to uh, what what Kamaruism is is saying, and there's a, there's an old saying I believe it was from the late Marvin Hagler that it's hard to get up and go running at five o'clock in the morning when you're sleeping in silk sheets. And in terms of Conor McGregor, I mean that statement couldn't be any any more true. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that he has actively decided oh yeah i'm no i'm no longer interested in, in fighting as much as i am and i no longer have the desire but just your circumstances subconsciously those of subconsciously made him not as hungry as as he once was i mean how long did he not compete for so he didn't compete from 2016 2016 until october yeah so that was november 2016 until october 2018 so that he was over out of the octagon for over two years and one can't help but but there's a correlation with the his the amount of money that he got from the Floyd Mayweather fight and the money that he was earning from the UFC beforehand and his hiatus. It's un, it's undoubtedly that. Now, what Kamaru Usman is saying is that he's just a regular fighter. I mean, it's difficult to 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 say that. And it's difficult to truly write off Connor as an elite fighter because his last two losses are to Habib Nurmagomedov and to Dustin Poirier. And there's absolutely no shame in that. And mm. I'm going to go on record right now and say that even if he loses to Dustin Poirier in the same way, same manner that he lost, <laughs> he's by no means finished. Because Dustin Poirier, well, obviously Charles Oliveira has the belt right now, but in many people's eyes, Dustin Poirier is the uncrowned champion of the, of the lightweight division. Now, will we see uh, the the hungry Conor McGregor that tore through the 145 pound division and then obviously went and got uh, lightweight gold. Will we see him return? I'm not hundred percent sure because as, as we said, the circumstances have changed and, and everything is difficult to, and you can't replicate that. He, he talks about normal Mr. Nice guy and I'm not going to have my kids for me with, with this training camp, but subconsciously 
everything's changed with him. Every like everything, m- money has changed everything. I mean, you even see it just with the social media ag- ag- activity. I mean, sometimes I, I look at his, his posts, and, and I know recently he's been posting uh, post post training selfies or, or or what have you. But most of his po- posts are like, well, what what's, what's the word? <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're either they're either they're either pushing stuff like and and, and showcasing his wealth. So I don't know if we'll ever see that that Conor McGregor come back. But I'm not ready to write him off as a, a elite fighter, even if he loses to Poirier in July. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go with uh, Kairos next. Maru Usman is one thousand percent correct on all facets this is the what have you done for me lately you want to look at what has conor mcgregor done for us lately not a goddamn motherfucking thing not a goddamn motherfucker this man he he beat cowboy cerrone who just lost to alex morono he got knocked out by dustin poirier because he refused to realize that this was an mma match not a boxing match he disrespects the sport constantly by not showing loyalty by dipping his toes in and out. This is not the same guy. And I'm telling you right now, if he loses to Dustin Poirier, it is motherfucking over. It is motherfucking over. And you know why? Because that just proves that you can't beat anybody in the top five at this point. This is someone who you KO'd in what? Two, three minutes last time? Mm. That's a huge gap to overcome. That means that he has lapped the course, caught back up to you, and now surpassed you. Because he now has you two to one. If he beats you, it's motherfucking over. If you beat him... You can say what you want. You're back, whatever. But I'm telling you this right now. The Connor that we know, I'm sorry, the Connor that we knew is not the Connor that we're seeing right now. And I don't like this excuse of, oh, he's rich, so he's unmotivated. You know how many rich athletes there are that no, still come out grinding every single day? Tiger you know Woods. Cri- yep. Yes. Remember? Tiger Woods. Yep. Cristiano Ronaldo. Everybody in the NBA. Everybody. Those people are getting paid millions upon millions on top of their sponsorships outside. Serena Williams. You're going to tell me Serena Williams is, oh, oh, she's making millions. She's making millions. But she's not motivated anymore. She's still winning. So this whole excuse of I'm making money so I'm not motivated to compete. Fuck you. Stop making can I, excuses. Can I, play devil, can I play devil's advocate with you, Kairos? You're bringing up sports that are not combat sports. There is a difference between training to get beat up and dealing with significant injuries versus someone that is a golfer or playing tennis. Not to say that they're not injured, but you have to... As a wealthy person, well, I'm not wealthy, but if I was a wealthy person, I'm not getting beat up. I don't care if I'm a professional fighter. I kind of I kind of commend Connor for even still fighting, believe it or not, as much as I dislike him. Because who the hell is a millionaire, multimillionaire, and gets all these types of injuries and CTE, all types of problems you can have? Where do you get the motivation to take a punch? So I get your point, Kairos. But I just think it's kind of difficult to compare those two sports. And I actually commend Connor for still competing. But I'm going to roll right to, you know, Michael Morgan, the man, the myth, the legend, and the man that loves Connor McGregor. Uh, MMA bowler. Uh, MMA bowler, Mike. Yeah, this is the, this is the new MMA bowler right here, y'all. Michael Morgan. I, I am going to put my cards firmly on the table and reassert myself as a Connor stand. But it is really hard to ignore the fact that the hunger, the thirst, the actual ravenous appetite to compete has left Connor in terms of what we saw on the come up, a man who was on the dole, a man who clawed his way up the rankings to actually 
change the sport, forever changes the sport in terms of how fighters are paid, how fighters are treated, how fighters basically are viewed on the world stage. He has set the bar. All of that being said, it is hard to defend this notion that, you know, he is still in there mentally when he's going from a six-star yacht to a seven-star hotel. Where is the kind of frugality? Where is the struggle? Where is the return to basics that makes him realize what it was to be hunger or hungry and what it was to actually want to achieve the epitome of the sport? So I can see why it's been said by Usman, but also let's not skirt over the fact that for the longest while we were accusing Usman of being vanilla, we were accusing Usman of being um, plain, we were accusing Usman of not having any pizzazz or any draw or any kind of like magnetism. He's getting that now. He's getting that traction by keeping Connor's name in his mouth because this isn't the first time that he's done that. So let's not skirt over the issue why he is shouting that from the rooftops. However, that being said, it would be a fool. I would be a fool. We would be foolish to say that we are looking at the same hungry Connor because we sure as hell not. Gee, uh, interesting that you raised the, the you, you played devil's advocate when Kairos mentioned uh, fighters like, oh no, fighters, athletes like Serena Williams and uh, Le- LeBron James, who obviously yeah. don't take uh, concussive blows for a living. But I, w- one fighter who I'm going to, who who's made millions upon millions of pounds in, in the United in the United Kingdom, who is still going, is still doing it, still hungry as ever, is Anthony Joshua. That man is still as hungry, as hungry as ever. Mm. He still, he still uh, well, I think it was until last year, he still lived with his mother and his mom's like council, council estate. And um, I know Mike is, is getting wild here as well, but I'd say that man is probably the epitome of, uh, of, 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 of a hungry fighter who has wealth. And Mike, yes. what's, your, what's your rebuttal? Come on, come at me, son. It's a bolstering of what you said and really exalting what I mentioned earlier in that I spoke to Anthony Joshua, I forget which fight it was. And he said to me, brother, I tried to keep that hunger in me by checking into a two-star hotel for my fight camp. I'm taking all all of my luxuries away. I'm no longer connected to what's opulent. I'm no longer eating, you know, basically the the, the steaks and the high-class dinners. I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it hungry because that keeps me really, really focused on where I need to be. And that is eyes on the prize because that was my come up. So why would I stop now? Exactly. And I don't, know if, I don't know if you've seen like AJ did like, I think it was on his YouTube channel or whatever. I can't remember what fight he was preparing for, but he he, he normally does his training camp at like the Olympic Center in, in Sheffield or whatever. And the flat that he stays in, man, is just dead. Bog, it's, yeah, it's a bog standard flat. I mean, like the, the leather on one of the chairs is peeling off or whatever. It's like you say, he, he removes himself from, from the luxury that he's, that he's uh, well and truly earned and that he's afforded. And he puts himself back in that, um, that frame of mind. And that, that's commendable. And I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this uh, to have a slant a, a corner or whatever, but I don't think that he'd be willing to do that. But, uh, well, I mean, like, 
there's nothing wrong with training in having a warm weather training camp, but he's training in Dubai right now. And no doubt he's not, he, his digs won't be two-star digs or his, his digs won't be digs that we can afford. Do you know what I mean? He'll be staying in like a nice opulent place or what have you. And I don't think like, yeah, I, I don't think that atmosphere and that environment is one that a fighter should really be staying in, like ahead, especially ahead of arguably the biggest fight of your, um, your UFC career. Look at all his successes in the past. It has seen him in hostile environments, whether it is in SBG's shed, and it was a shed, it was in diabolical condition, whether it be with um, the Icelandics going over there in that harsh weather and actually trudging through snow and actually braving that like hostile environment. That was the making of Connor. That was the conditioning of that iron sharp will and that mind and that kind of like gutsy will to succeed. But all of that has been taken away now. He's living a a different lifestyle. And I think that different lifestyle has kind of numbed him to what and where he has come from and what took him to that pinnacle. I mean, I I don't like the way you spoke about Usman like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was kind of in my feelings too, but <laughs> but um, I saved myself for last, and because I just wanted to hear all your different perspectives, because I really don't know what to think of Connor anymore. To be honest with you, um, I still think he's a really good fighter. Believe it or not, I just think he made a terrible mistake when he fought Dustin, and I'm really not, you know, too quick to pick Dustin in the rematch because we all know that when Connor is focused and and training in the gym and he's he suffered a loss he comes back really hard I just don't know if he's going to do that with Dustin and if Dustin beats him again I have no idea if, if if he even continues fighting to be honest with you I could see him walking away and Usman was speaking facts matter of fact let's break it down he's not a champion that's true anymore. He's not a double champion. So many other fighters have become double champion that nobody cares that he was the first, in my opinion. Like, no, the only people that still throw that in your face are his Connor fans that just started watching MMA when Connor started fighting. So they're, you know, you can throw them out with the trash. Um, and just as like the regular guy thing, I kind of can see the point that he's trying to make. But the only difference is, is that he's not a regular guy because when you fight on his card, y'all get paid. So Usman, you know, watch that because he's not a regular guy because everyone wants to fight on a Connor card. But um, I'm fresh off this topic because I got a stupid ass fans in my mentions arguing with me now. They think that, um, you know, he fought well against Floyd. They've been giving me a headache for the past couple of days. So thank you for allowing me to vent to y'all. And I just tweeted, actually, like when he leaves the sport, which will be soon. I'm predicting it will be soon. I'm one. I'm hoping he takes his um, punk ass fans with him that just started watching the sport. So um I won't miss them. And I hope y'all listening to the show. I can't stand y'all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Okay. I'm spinning the ball. And me, I'm up. <laughs> right. So, Diego Sanchez and Joshua Fabia, as more than likely you would have heard and listeners would have heard over the past week, have been toing and throwing, and they've now parted company. Diego Sanchez has wrestled back control of his mind, wrestled back control of his body and wrestled control back of his soul. And in doing so, has basically caught the ire, the wrath of Joshua Fabia. So much so 
that um, in a recent podcast with Summer Helene, I think it's called Behind the Scenes, her podcast, definitely worth checking out the full version. Um, Joshua Fabio had some very choice words for not only um, Diego Sanchez and their relationship, but also uh, for the UFC. And um, this is how the clip that I've put together played out. I'm being his trainer and his coach and, and his manager. I'm now at the fight, one of the fights, the first fight that I'm the only coach and cornerman at the UFC for Diego. They pull me away from him behind the scenes before the fight three different times to harass me about every little thing I'm doing. Well, then, why, why would the UFC, why would the UFC have a grudge against you? No, no, I'm, I'm getting there. I got to just tell you my perception of what the events that happen here. Right. So I, I, so I, I get what you're saying, but there are so many questions. I'm, I'm just curious. Um, I, I, I do want to hear the perception. It's something that's been going on for two years. You got to let me tell you this to understand some things. So this moment happens where the Nevada state commission comes in and leans on Diego, and he has to throw a fucking fight. Now, I have him recorded coming so in. And then they so they are, you trying him. to say that, are you saying that he was told that he has to, like, he has to throw this fight? They told him he has to lose this bout? You go watch the fight, and it's the only fight in Diego Sanchez's that, history that he never threw a punch. That's not, that's not an answer. Like, we're looking for a direct answer. Did they tell him he had to throw a fight? the way that they did it is in the lean, which is in talking to somebody and dangling their license and explaining, are you really trying to hurt this man? You're not trying to hurt him, are you, Diego? You're a sportsman, Diego. You've always been a good guy, Diego. You're not going to do anything with malicious intent, are you, Diego? So that, that, you, can, what? you can call that the way you call it, but the Nevada State Commission's not supposed to come in 30 minutes before a fucking fight and come and kick everybody out and come and talk that type of shit to a fight. Now, that was just a snippet of a longer interview. Lord. That is the flavor of Joshua Fabio's rant. And fair play to them. You know, the interviewers really did push back and really did try to clarify a lot of what he was saying. As you probably heard there, there was a lot to unpack. But in giving you a flavor, in establishing that he is no longer attached to Diego Sanchez, I want us in the time-honored fashion to play PR now. We are the PR agency attached to Mr. Fabia. How is it that we are actually gonna handle this? What's the damage limitation? What's the advice that each of us are gonna give separately? And I'm gonna start with G. Oh, wow. I was so waiting for y'all so I could just maybe get some ideas, but I'm gonna I'm jump <laughs> first. I'm a, this is gonna sound so bad, but if I was his management or PR, I'd be throwing Diego under the motherfucking bus and trying to save my name, my career, my website. And I'm not saying that to say that I'm advocating for him. Mike is merely asking me what I would do if I was Joshua Fabian. 
And please, for the people listening, I do not advocate this, but I'm speaking from that perspective. And if you haven't noticed, he's doing that now. He is now telling everyone that Diego Sanchez has a drug habit, sexual abuse um, issues from his past. Um, He's also saying that, you know, he has serious financial issues. And that is the direction he needs to go in if he wants to salvage his name and career is to throw Diego under the bus. I uh, don't support this, but I think that's the best route for him. But I really hope this doesn't work for him, whatever he's doing. And I really want him out of MMA. And Mike, I know this is your segment, but when everyone's done, I want to know, should MMA media black him out? Because I'm noticing that's a hot topic when it comes to Joshua Fabia. I'm seeing people on my timeline begging MMA media not to report on him. Wow. And then I'm, I'm seeing some people say, no, we need to keep talking about him so that we can put his bullshit out there and we can be aware of it and prevent this. And I was curious to know how you guys felt about that, but I'm not going to hijack your segment, Mike. Let's do that later. Let's come back to that. Cause I'm interested yes. in what everybody Me feels too. as well. Yeah. But for now, I'm interested in the damage limitation. This is exactly. Plato. This is somebody who is a loose cannon. How do you handle someone like that? Kairos. I wouldn't go down the smear campaign route because I think a lot of people be like, well, now he's a scumbag who's leaking out information after you. He's just a manipulator and a, an abuser. I would go down the complete opposite route. You know what I would do? I'd be like, listen, we need you to get some sympathy. We need you to get hurt. We need you to get robbed. We need bad stuff to happen so that people can feel bad about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to have you walking down the street and we're going to pull a Jesse Smollett and have you just I lie knew about you were going to say that. Yeah. And we got and we, we're going to make sure nobody finds out about the truth. Like we. If you, that's how you see people will turn a blind eye to anything for sympathy. They'll love it when they see the white people tears. They love it when they see the white girls. We got to get that. We got to get that going. All right. We got to, we got to have you saving some puppies for, for some white people out of some tree. We got to get you doing something. Now, wow. Maybe he is who he says. Maybe he is a great person. Because look at Ido Portal. People were calling him a fake for so long. For so long, you know what Edo did? He was like, all right, I'm gonna go on my spirituality shit. I'm just gonna be posting on IG, taking all these clients, showing them how great I am. And look at what happened. You forgot all about that shit. He's back in Connor's corner for this fight, I'm pretty sure. So it can be done. It can be done. You just gotta have some people who are willing to sympathize for you. And for that to happen for Josh right now, you gotta like walk into some door handles and like get hit by some cars, but it'll get done. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Am I wrong? That's, that's, a, that's a strategy. That's that a, and people strategy. have used I, it before. Yeah, I did ask for strategies and you give me one. Finally, Chisanga, before oh, I chime in. <laughs> my strategy, I would, uh, <laughs> if I was Joshua Fabia, I'd take all my money and I would try uh, bring back, <laughs> bring back the, ghost, the ghost of uh, Johnny Cochran because you are going to have some legal cases on you for the insinuations that you made uh, about the UFC and and uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission. I hope he's got a good lawyer because they're going to come for him. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to come for him. Now, in terms of advice, man, I, I, I like both of the uh, both of the avenues that uh, Kairos and, and, and G, G explored. But if I was if I was if I was managing him, I would, I, I, yeah, I think, I think I would try get an interview with, with an Ariel Hawani, like a sit down interview, you know, like the, the ones where they have like the nice camera angles and it's like a dim dark setting or whatever. And then, and then <laughs> I can't even get this shit out. 
And then midway through, I would I'd pull an R. Kelly and go, this is my life, man. This is, <laughs> this is my life. See? Sympathy. Y'all killing me. <laughs> yeah. That is how I would go. That is how I would go with Georgia Fabia. Because, I mean, as Kyra said, the only the only way this can this can change and the narrative can change around it is if people start sympathizing for, with him. And whether, oh, maybe getting hit by a couple of cars is a bit extreme, Kyra. So I, I don't know. Come up with some bullshit or, or whatever. Just make some claims up and say, oh, yeah, I had a really bad childhood and blah, blah, blah. It's led me to, to be this way and, and what have you. But... <laughs> Again, you need to go down the sympathy route because otherwise, man, the, the narrative is going to stick. The narrative around you is going to stick for, for a long time. But I, I you know, I know, I know I said that, yeah, go down the sympathy route or whatever. But I think this is one of the weirdest things in the history of mixed martial arts that it's going to take something drastic for this cloud to, to, to be removed from Joshua Fabian for people to forget about Joshua because I don't think people will, man. I, I think people are just gonna remember him, and they'll use him as, as an example as as to how fighters, the elder fighter, vulnerable fighters, can be taken advantage of. So, I mean, well, I'm I'm glad that Diego has has finally seen sense, and that I, I would assume his loved ones and even the UFC probably would have would have talked to him, even though he's no longer with the UFC. But I mean. The sooner we start hearing less about Joshua Fabia, the better. Although, going back to what G's point is, I do think there is there is grounds to keep reporting on him. But we'll come back to that later. You may recall a few weeks ago, we had a similar conversation, but this time we were acting as PR or the intervention was us talking to Diego Sanchez. I have a feeling that he actually listened to that podcast that's what I'm telling myself and yeah. that's what I'm believing. <clears throat> Speaking of believing, that is how, and that is the line I would, I would actually pursue in terms of PR. He has MMA media in his hands right now. Where are these client lists of Khabib and Justin Gaethje and uh, Stefan Bonner? I would look to my clients to expand upon what I'm doing. I'd have Khabib. <laughs> upside down on a beam and I'll be punching the shit out of him and saying, look, this works. Have you seen this man take any damage during all the time that he's been competing? I, Joshua Fabia, I'm responsible. Stefan Bonner, he is now in a situation where he's serene. He has now lived through trauma and I'm helping him with that. I'd exalt my position as this guru, as this mentor, as this manager of trauma in all of these so-called clients, which uh, if you remember, he actually trotted out, must have been just over a month ago. I would make it look as though everybody else is acting wild, but I'm the same one here. And look, here are my results. They speak for itself. An unbeaten fighter who under my tutelage, under my guidance has actually transcended the sport and left it, <laughs> left it in a position where it cannot be topped. It cannot be beaten. I am Joshua Fabia. Visit my website. Do you know what I mean? I'd go full yeah. PR into this. I'd capitalize on everything that's happening right now. And that is, there is a thirst. There is a hunger. There is an absolute appetite for Joshua Fabia. G, expand on what you were saying earlier, because I am intrigued, beguiled, and... <clears throat> yeah. You. 
Yeah, um, it's just something that I've seen recently on my timeline. I've seen quite a few people saying MMA need, media needs to silence Joshua Fabia by not reporting on him. And then you have other folks that are like me that are like, we need to keep talking about him, keep exposing him and keep telling his truth, which is foul. And we need to report on it. And also, too, I'd like to remind people that the power of the media is not in silence. It's not. The power of the media is the seeking of the truth, the telling the truth and reporting the truth to everybody. So it's kind of ignorant or maybe just not very intelligent to say we should stop speaking on him or the media should stop speaking on it. The more you drag someone, the more you repeat on um, report on their bullshit, the more you expose them and the more you kind of cause damage to their future career. You put their name out, yada, 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 yada. I implore MMA media to still post articles about Joshua and to follow him around and to expose him. What do you guys think of that? Where, where do you land on that scale? Expose him or not? Joshua Fabio is actually winding his own noose, actually plaiting that quite tightly because every single time he speaks, he drops his podcast in it. Every single word he utters is just gold. Insane. And so much so that he's doing himself a disservice by opening his mouth. And what the media are doing are fanning those flames, are actually expanding what he's saying by giving him the platform on which to do it. And I really don't like the notion of us being silent because that to me is compliance. And that to me, I really wouldn't like to be in a position where someone could possibly pipe up to say, you guys knew about this and said nothing because we've heard that yes. recently, haven't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally, totally agree. Kairos, what are your thoughts on this? I agree. I think anybody who tries to say you shouldn't keep talking about this, those are the people who are the biggest problems. Because it's not just this issue where those people say that stuff. But they say that stuff when we want to talk about Anthony Johnson fucking stealing credit cards and shit. They say that shit when we want to talk about people beating people's asses illegally. Like They, they said the same shit when Juliana Pena was running in the bars, kicking dudes in the nuts and getting arrested for it. Like So my problem is... You can't sit here and tell people not to report on something just because you're sick and tired of hearing it. We, I got to keep hearing about that Hashbullah motherfucker in Dagestan fighting that please, other motherfucker. Please. Uh, please. Exactly. I got to say that every single fucking day I open up my phone. Y'all got to hear about Joshua. Y'all got to hear about Joshua because I got to keep seeing that bullshit. Oh so like God. that should have been enough. somebody's topic today, honestly. That should well, be we can chop it up about this. <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers. Do we have to? What, yeah, thank you. What is their obsession with him? What is his? What is They're the making fun of him? Yeah, exactly. If Hasbullah obviously has some sort of condition that's made him the way that he is, and uh, I would I wouldn't wish that up, uh, upon anybody. But and I'm, I might be sounding a bit insensitive when I say this, but if he didn't have this condition, if he was just a normal eighteen-year-old kid, if those are two normal eighteen-year-old kids, nobody would give a shit about this whatsoever. Like I think I I don't want to sound insensitive, but it's kind of like a like a circus show to people that people are, are getting off on this and whatever. It is yeah, it is. It makes yeah. me uncomfortable. When it, they it, tied him to balloons and let him go, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I like yeah. God. Anyway, like anyway, let's go yeah. back to Joshua Fabio. I think it's it's incumbent of, of the media to keep reporting this because as as Mike said, the we don't want a situation to, to arise where the media is complicit. Well, their silence then makes them complicit in 
another fighter being taken advantage of like like Diego Sanchez and heaven forbid something something bad happening to them I mean you, you, do you remember the videos that we saw him running around the octagon with a knife and trying to lunge at his training partners I mean can, can you imagine say well, I, I know this is worst case scenario say that he slips and he accidentally ends up cutting somebody accidentally cut somebody in the neck and then UFC fighter dies training under Joshua Fabio then people would have been like where are the media the media should have said something about him a long time yeah. ago forewarn other people from getting hooked up with it it's incumbent yeah. on the media to, to keep reporting to keep reporting on this because this is a this uh, it was uh, I'm, I'm i'm even lost for words and getting heated up thinking about this was somebody getting their this was a predator getting their tentacles into a vulnerable person and uh it, it, you, carry on jim do you think more people like Joshua Fabia exist in the MMA community? Because someone tweeted that to me as well. Like, you think Joshua's the only one? And I don't want to name names. And I won't name this account. But he alluded to Renzo Gracie. He alluded to um, he alluded to Jackson Wink because, of, you know, the Quanon flag that they got caught, um, you know, they had out front, which they immediately took down. But do you think there's more Joshua Fabias out there? And will we see more of them? Well, I'm not too sure in, in the cases of Henzo and uh, and uh, yeah, that's hearsay. I'm not saying oh, I'm, that's whatever. Because um, I haven't seen any any evidence to attest to that fact. But of course, I, th I think there are, or there definitely have been in uh, in, in the past. But I mean, wh wherever there are vulnerable people, sadly, there will be sick people, the predators who will take advantage and try to take advantage of them. Well, we have no uh, UFC action and combat action of note this coming weekend, save I think one might be taking place, but on Saturday, it's kind of like a no man's land. It's kind of like a, a desert wasteland. So Chisanga, in the time honored fashion, you are gonna take us through our first interview uh, or our only interview of the show, but also run through your hot topic this week. Okay, so. I spoke to the one, the only, the most decorated amateur in the history of mixed martial arts, Mr. Mohamed Makayev, earlier today, ahead of his brave 51 fight with Ibrahim Navazurov. I, I kind of said that name right off the tongue perfectly, man. I didn't even have to stutter. That was, that was good. <laughs> and we caught up on, uh, we talked about a, a variety of topics, his, uh, his living situation in the United Kingdom, and, and of course, more importantly, when he wants to come to the UFC. So listen to Mo, the Punisher, Mikhaev, and let us know what you think about the interview. Mo, how are you doing, man? It's good to see you again. I'm good, thank you. Just on the way back from training, uh, just preparing for my fight next week. Staying busy, you know? Yeah, well, you talk about busy, man. Well, how many fights was it last year? Was it six? Six fights last year. Six fights this. last year, man. I mean, I think you're arguably the busiest fighter well, in all mixed martial arts promotions last year, man. It's, it's, it's quite crazy when you think that, and considering especially how young you are. Because, you know, I, I used to be, like, fan of, like, fighters. Like, uh, I, I grew up as a kid and watching MMA, and always I like busy fighters, you know. I mm. always, and I know what the fans like, so that's why I try to stay busy as much as possible. Also, you know, my goal is like be youngest UFC champion. So yeah. uh, I don't have time to uh, get off my diet, relax, go. Even now, financially, I'm 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 really like in good position, and this doesn't 
it doesn't affect me, you know. I have bigger goals, goals than money, you know. Mm-hmm. So I have to stay busy. So yeah, you're meant to be fighting uh, ne- next weekend, June 4th, against Ibrahim Navazurov. How has your training camp for, the, for, for this fight been? Obviously, b- before you were training in the midst of the pandemic, but everything is now a bit more relaxed. Everything's a bit more loose. Restrictions aren't the same. So is your training been better as a result of that? To be honest, it was uh, after my fight, I was in hospital because of my infection in, in Bahrain. So as mm. soon as I, I came out of uh, hospital, uh, Ramadan started. So one month yeah. of Ramadan. So I've only been training once a day in Ramadan. And now... Once it's over, now two weeks, two weeks I train non-stop. Now I'm in good shape. I only have to make weight and, uh, you know, I never missed weight. Never, ever missed weight in wrestling tournaments and yeah. jiu-jitsu. So this is another, another, when, when I sign the contract for the weight, I always make weight. I don't care, like, what's going to happen because I signed and I knew I'm going to make it. So if, if I miss weight, it means, like, I, I did something wrong in the camp. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you're meant to be fighting in Belarus, but uh, well, obviously, there's a situation where flights to Belarus are pr- like, well, from across the globe are being grounded because I don't know if you saw that, like, one of the Ryanair flights got hijacked by uh, I think Belarusian police or whatever. I, I don't know, but how are you going to get to Belarus now? To be honest, that's what I was actually talking about. That's why uh, I had interview with you, and they, you know, booked, and I was talking about actually got my. Yeah, my problem. I actually got uh, my international driving license in between training here. Uh, okay. <laughs> after training, I went to get my international because the flight is cancelled and uh, I needed visa to Belarus. I went to embassy in London and my passport is full of, of visas. So basically, Belarus said, fly with our airlines. We will let you in the country, but we're going to do a visa on arrival. So that was the plan. To, to do everything and uh, so the flights is cancelled so I, 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 I just look at the maps it's 24 hour drive so I, I was planning to set off on Sunday that's that's exactly the same thing happened on uh, on my debut when the uh, uh, Sweden was closed with, uh, with uh, didn't accept any visas application so I had to fly to Copenhagen and from mm-hmm. Copenhagen I got a uh, 13 hours uh, bus to to my debut you know so so I, I, I don't want to make excuse because the airlines or something. I want to drive there. But only thing is uh, uh, from Poland <laughs> to Belarus, will they let me in? That's why I try to get uh, ask immigration office if they let me. Wow, man, 24 hours driving. That, that's absolutely crazy to, to think of that. But you said, obviously, that happened ahead of your debut, a, a similar situation. So you're kind of somewhat used to it. But it must be a bit nerve-wracking, you know, because obviously you don't know if you're actually going to get to Belarus. Yes, uh, I, I still train. Uh, now I go sleep between training. I, I train tonight, tomorrow. I still train, make weight, uh, just keep the weight till Monday. If if no nothing like anything, anything I can do, then I probably move to Brave Fifty Two event or whatever whatever next. I stay in shape as soon as the announced date. But to be honest, I really want to fight. I really I, I ready for this opponent. This opponent experienced uh, had three fights on ACB, three fights uh, on Fight Nights Russia, and one fight drawn and M one Global. So it's tough opponent wrestler, older guy, and um, I, I'm gonna show my new best performance of today. 
Yeah, so you, you touched on it there, Ibrahim. He's I, I think he's five one and one, and as you say, yes, he's a he's an ACB veteran. He's a he's a, he's a decorated wrestler. Are you happy with the, uh, the 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 step up in opponent and that it's coming so soon? Because like some fighters, they get managed for a while. They don't be they're not given tough tests straight away. Are you happy with the almost baptism of fire that you've been given? Yes, of course I'm happy. I, I I'm not that kind of fighter. I have to. Do it ten and you know, fifteen and you know, to yeah. world know me like promotion. They, they know me since I was competing in amateurs. Uh, yeah. Now I'm in professional. Uh, um, so so my last opponents were good, undefeated amateur. I think ten and you know, he was a IMF world champion in senior division. Strong opponent, seven and one with most most of career like eighty percent finishes of his career. Yeah. So it was tough opponent, and first time I made uh, flyweight in four years. And um, to, to to be honest, uh, I, I need I need two fights now before before I go to big uh, UFC. Mm-hmm. And another situation that we talked about um, in, in the last summer before your, before your last fight was your um, your right to stay situation. What how is that at at the moment? Is is it looking positive or is it not looking great? Oh, you mean for my documents passport? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Yes, um, as we spoke to immigration office, this uh, MP, local MP from Manchester, mm-hmm. they're helping us to speed it up. Uh, yeah, same what they did, they, they, they refused my wife visa. If you've seen this, but it's all all good. They they give a visa, and they they they're speeding my documents up so I can go to US this year. Okay, and uh, uh, what's the situation with your wife? Because I remember, well, I, I, I can understand the situation, that how emotional you would be after the, that initial refusal. Is that situation being uh, re-looked at again? or? Yes, they, they, they give a visa next okay, that's day. After, fantastic. Yes, they, give, they don't ever think. It's, it's, it's just the officers that sit in Dubai. That, uh, some of them don't, don't, don't look at it properly, but UK immigration office when they see the application everything is good it's just when they're outside of uk the uh, uk cannot control this as much as when, when it gets to top like in uk then everything works mm-hmm. and another thing that we spoke about last time and I, I don't know if this is still on your mind well given how active you're being in mixed martial arts are you still keen to compete in the next commonwealth games that, that's what they're speaking, speaking on my documents. Yeah. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on long li- list. Uh, last week I was competing in British Championships. That was two days after Ramadan. Yeah. Uh, I competed in weight above 65 kilograms. And I won't win. So um, I'm half qualified for, for it. Uh, they, they will pick me anyway as soon as my documents yeah. ready. There's, there's no nobody for 65 kilograms uh, in UK. That's good. That's good. And obviously, this fight uh, coming up ne- next week, it's going to be your fourth fight under Bra- the Brave banner. How are you finding competing under uh, under Brave? And is it somewhere that you want to stay for a bit longer? Because I know you said that you have goals of getting to the UFC within the next one or two years. Yeah. Uh, they look after me good. I went there in January for my fight. And um, they gave me an apartment. They gave me a car. You know, they, they sort out my meals. Everything was sorted mm-hmm. there. They look after me like um, I was there for three month training, and I just enjoy. It. And um, to be honest, I don't want to leave. But my goal, like I always said, from my kid dream, this mm-hmm. this is my goal. And my loyalty still with brave, even if I go to UFC. 
I, I will represent I will represent them and uh, I always will talk good about them because they give me this platform after after I am off and uh, the loyalty between me and Brave is a different level. Yeah, so uh, another thing that we talked about last time was uh, the, the the Ultimate Fighter, and you said that you weren't too keen on that because obviously you've got an extensive background and everybody knows who you are already. Would you well, necessarily turn down the opportunity if the Contender Series, if the, if Dana White Contender Series, if they offered you a place to come on, or do you still just want to go straight into the UFC? They did. They did already uh, after okay. this fight. They did already. Uh, my man, my manager, Tim, he said this after fight, but they actually said this before my fight. The offer came okay. before my fight, and after fight, of course, they even more. But, but uh, contender series is for people uh, to build the name. Or listen, if I go to UFC and I be like just first fight on the card, I believe I will sell more pay per view than if UFC London. Uh, August, I see UFC London yeah. coming to August. If if I be first on the card, hundred percent, I, I will. Uh, my my views will be more than anybody who's on the card. I I don't even know who gonna be on the card, but I know for for sure that I will be most. Uh, I will get most views on on the card because uh, I don't have to go through contender series to get my name out there. Everybody everybody know me. I just have to perform now. Uh, I have to, I have to, I have to show my skills now. It's not about show. Will be there anyway. I just have to perform. Mm. So we touched on it earlier. You you fought six times last year. I mean, how active do you want to be this year? Ideally, I mean, if you if you were to get another six fights in, man, that'd be crazy. But how ideally, how active do you want to be? As much active. I was I was supposed to fight in February, mm. uh, February actually this year because the pandemic. The show changed, and then I was supposed to fight in March also, but because all, all the events changed, I had to fight in March. Then Ramadan, and now I fight like three weeks after Ramadan, and uh, maybe maybe five fights this year. Okay, that's good. That's five good. Fights. And for this portion of the interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up from asking generic questions. I'm gonna ask you for yeah. some fight predictions, but. I'm going to ask you for some fight predictions for, for, for boxing. I know you're a martial arts fan. You watch all martial arts. Yeah. Um, what's your prediction? Well, if this fight happens now, we don't know if it's going to happen. How do you foresee Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua? I think Tyson Fury. You know, I like Joshua. He's, yeah. a, he's a top athlete. He, he represents, uh, represents uh, UK and on, on, on Olympic team. Before I watched him long time. Actually, where, where I stay in Sheffield now, he's he's having his training camp there. Yeah. And uh, my my friend who represents Bahrain, he's at that training camp now. But I, I believe Tyson Fury. He fought like um, uh, he's, he's he's more more faster guy. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, but where's Joshua? Is powerful guy. So I believe Tyson Fury. Okay, and Conor McGregor against Dustin Poirier three. How do you see that? Ma McGregor. If McGregor fights old style, old mm. old style, not like boxing, heavy fitted, more what he he was like a karate background. If he do this style, he he better uh, for it. Okay, and uh, what's your prediction for Mohamed Makayev against Ibrahim Nazarov? Uh, 
<laughs> I, I want to stay humble, but you know, you, I don't know what to say. Of course, I'm I'm there to win. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going there just to attend the event, and I'm I'm going for the victory. Okay, Mo, thanks very much for your time. I really do appreciate. It. I know you were you were driving. You've stopped to speak to me, so I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good yeah, day. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, people, we're back now. One of the big takeaways from that was Mo obviously saying that he's received two offers to compete on Dana White's Contender Series and that he subsequently turned them down. And his logic was that the Contender Series is used to help build people's build, build these prospects up, build these prospects who don't have a name. And his logic is that everybody knows my name in mixed martial arts at, at this moment in time. Everyone knows who I am. My, my 20... It was, I believe he's 23 and 0 in, in, in amateurs before he uh, before he turned pro last year. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on a him turning down the spot on the two spots on the contender series, and b this notion that he's just ready to jump into the UFC and he's already a big enough name to jump into the UFC? I think he's spot on, and I'm so pleased that someone outside of the UFC is asserting the know your worth notion because. Whilst he's not mentioned money, you know that. So way in which Dana White has been lowballing talent, you yeah. know that's the way in which he's been shoehorning um, prospects into the UFC through the, think of it, it's a prospects um, contender series. Yeah. Now, I think he is right when he says that he wants to wait it out in, until he actually gets in there legitimately and through legitimate means, because not only will he be recompensed, paid properly, he, it won't be seen as though, you know, he got in through some kind of talent show. Yeah. He'll get in on his own merits and that's fully deserved. He's a very, very talented um, individual who shows incredible promise. Kairos, what are your thoughts? Um, I'll start with what he said and then I'll start with what he's doing. He, he's wrong about um, people knowing his name. The first time I ever heard his name was about eight or nine months ago. And it was you guys were interviewing. Um, I forget who you were interviewing, but he was calling him out and you were suggesting p- potential opponents. And then his name somehow came up. And I was just like, who is that? And I looked him up. I was like, you better not fucking fight that motherfucker. And then I started watching his fights. Yeah. That's how I, I don't know how other people, I don't think most people know who he is. If you're not in the UFC, if you're not in Bellator, if you're not in the PFL, if you're not in one championship, if you're not in Invicta, you're not in combates. People don't know who you are like that, especially when you when you fight amateurly for that long period of time. So I just think our sport's too young and too small for people to be aware of someone like that. And um, as far as what he's doing, though, I think he's made the right choice because I've heard from a lot of people who have people who go on the contender series, people who go on those shows. Them contracts are not what you want. They was kind of, yeah, you got the UFC name next to your name. Yeah, you had a impression, but that contract is some bullshit. That's why you got people begging for $75,000 at the end of the fight. That's why you got people like, so that's my issue with it. He not issue. That's I'm glad he decided not to go on that show. Cause he's better than that. He's better than that. He should sit here and wait for a major promotion to offer him a contract that's worth his time. And then go through those channels versus saying, Oh yeah, I'm going to come in here, dominate some person, have more experience, more fights than all these other people and still fight for 10 and 10, 15 and 15. Like he's not a 10 and 10 or 15 and 15 fighter. He's not, he's not. G, what's your thoughts? 
my thoughts, um, similar to Kairos, I wasn't very familiar with him. And actually, Michael Morgan got me into him. So thanks, Mike. I did my research and realized this man's a motherfucking beast. Mm. And I want to see him someplace where his talent can be used. I don't want to see him beat up people on the Contender Series. And I don't want him to be poor. And the Contender Series has horrible contracts from what I've been hearing. And I don't remember the breakdown of it. But it's, you know, you got to keep your day job. If you're on the contender series and if you win the content, you know, if you get on, if you get the contract, you're still keeping your day job. Like that's just how it is. And I don't want somebody as immensely talented as this young man to be taking all these risks fighting and to be this talented and not to be a shark in his division and not to be paid for what his worth, you know what I mean? So I think it's really smart of him to not rush things, not go on the contender series. And also he needs to take a page out of Brendan Laughlin. Brendan went at it for the contender series. He was told, no, he didn't make it right now. Look at him. He's getting paid. Well, he's a star in his organization and him not being on the show. Not only is it a huge fuck you to Dana, because look how successful he is. He's not poor. He's not broke. I haven't seen fucking Brendan Lafflane put up a sign, say, hey, Dana, can I get 75K? People in PFL aren't doing that. Brendan is fine. Remember when we interviewed him in Spaces? He was like, I'm chilling. I'm Mm. good. Mm. Let that happen for your man, Chisanga. I prefer that he skips the Contender Series and and let the scrubs, you know, try to work their way up like that. No. Yeah. Does he he live in Thailand? I think, well, well, he's been splitting his time. You mean Brendan? No, no, oh. Muhammad. Does he fight? Does he, no, yeah, he, he, he's based in the UK. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I saw that he he trains at Tiger sometimes. So I, I was like, yeah. does he? T- I didn't know if he commuted or if he lived there. Okay, okay. no, no, yeah, well, no. He's he's uh, he's he's based in the United Kingdom, and he wants to represent Great Britain in the in the Commonwealth Games next year. So beautiful. Yeah, uh, look, I'm 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 really really high on high on this guy. I went back and like like you, I, I think I probably. I don't want to say jumped on the hype train or whatever, but I became aware of him maybe, I think maybe, maybe about two or three years ago. Oh, dang. Yeah. And ever since then, man, like I've just been really high in the way that he conducts himself and the way that he's, he's managing his career, especially now, because he only made his pro debut last year, but he's, he fought, how many times? He fought four times professionally and he fought two times amateurs last year. He had six fights last year. I mean, that's, that's crazy to be thinking six fights. That's Granted, insane. he's been dominating most of his opponents, but to to get into the octagon to the cage six times is it's it's unheard of. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I like I like the way that he's he's managing himself. I like the mindset at this moment in time, in particular with the contender series. Like like you say, many people would see, oh yeah, we received an offer for the contender series. I'm just going to jump at it. <laughs> and while I would advise that for a lot of people if they want to. If they want to get into the UFC as quickly as possible, it might not be the fi- best financial move for you. <clears throat> I don't think you always have to. Well, especially nowadays with the with the vast amount of promotions that we have, you have PFL, you have Bellator, you have one championship. You don't necessarily have to jump when the UFC when. Uh, yeah, you don't jump when the UFC tell you to jump right now. So mm-hmm. take your time, and I th- I think he'll be in the UFC probably within the next. 18 months anyway I, exactly. I, I, I truly believe that so if i'm him continue building your brand uh by fighting fighting and brave and another promotion which which is doing good things as well and your time will come yeah. besides C- cage wars is also the best promotion in the world right now too hopefully he'll get picked up by them 
Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, in case Rory's there, being, <laughs> they're, they're doing don't a show stop. and don't do it. No, no, let me stop. Don't, stop. don't go there. Do don't go there. We were that is it's a joke because this dude actually said that in spaces and we're making fun of him. Yeah. Oh, who said that? We won't do this to him, but he he said that Cage War is a better post than Bellator, PFL. He said a lot of posts. I was like, get the fuck out of my face with this yeah, bullshit. He, I feel like he, conf- he confused his preference with facts. You know what I mean? Like he uh, totally ignored that Bellator is on Showtime for a fucking yeah, reason. I mean, but- <laughs> it, it, it is a good promotion, but I mean, yeah, you'd probably rank it if we're if we're being honest. You're probably going the UFC, Bellator. I think maybe, well, maybe even well, the recent acquisitions that P, the PFL made, PFL are tied with one championship, and then you mm-hmm. go Cage Warriors. But I think maybe that person said it, and I'm not trying to drag them or whatever. I don't know who you are or whatever, but I think maybe they said that because it's the feeder league into the UFC, and they've seen so many fighters from Cage Warriors transition into the yeah. UFC. He so. did say that, but not as yeah. beautifully as you did. We we were not able to. We were not able to might, accept that notice. at the time. You might notice, Banger, that I'm being quite conspicuous uh, with my well by my silence. This I is know. another person who I vouched for in spaces, and there have been a few now, and this has been yet another person who has embarrassed me before my peers, before people's opinions that I respect before people's opinions who respect my opinion. So I am uh, not gonna say anything more about this, but nice segue into Spaces because this coming Thursday, we have got an action-packed Spaces for you. A lot I feel of media do tend to shun, nay, not say anything to those who lose after they've hyped them up pre-fight. And I feel that, you know, this, this notion that these fair-weathered media friends are there for the betterment of the sport is questionable when you don't hear from them, you don't see them, you don't actually feel them engaging with those people who've actually lost. I'm changing the narrative here in that this inner session entitled Win or Learn, it will actually feature a lineup of Liam McCourt, of Alfie Davis, of Fabian Edwards, and Brett Johns. Now you will notice these names were quite prevalent on the Bellator 259 card in the buildup. But because of the losses that three of the four sustained, nothing more was actually said about them. I think that narrative changes from this Thursday when those four will be joining us in spaces nine o'clock, BST, British Summertime, and 1 p.m. Pacific Time. I'm mentioning Pacific Time specifically because Leah will be phoning in from Las Vegas. Anyway, back to you, Chisanga. I know that you've got something on the docket um, before we close. Right, guys. So I, I don't know if you, you you saw this, but well, especially you guys over in the United States because uh, of the time difference. Early this morning, the UFC announced a partnership with two charities or two youth organizations in the United Kingdom to help, well, help combat knife crime and just crime in, in general with youths in, in sorry, I've, I've lost my trail of thought there, youths in London, Birmingham, and just outside of Liverpool in the Wirral. Now, if you remember, Leon Edwards, Jimmy Manoa, and Darren Till all got together last year 
following a spate of stabbings in Birmingham, in London, and uh, in Liverpool, I believe, to to voice their concerns and to to and they laid they laid they laid the groundwork for for this for this initiative initiative to to mentor kids and to try get to them before they decide to pick up a knife or get involved with with uh with gangs or get involved with drugs or what have you and now the ufc have teamed up with the legacy youth uh i think it's is it legacy youth legacy youth zone sorry about that uh, guys and they've tuned in with the onside network to help mentor 12 to 16 year old kids who are on probation for crimes such as knife possession uh, and other gang related crimes to try, well, obviously the, the, the goal is obviously to try get them off the street and to try to put them on the straight and narrow. Now, I was really happy with this, the, the, the UFC got on board with this initiative and it was actually Jimmy Manuel who reached out to Dana White and then D Dana White got, got the ball rolling with this. So shout out to Dana White for actually taking taking an interest in this because this is something that's happening a world away from him in the in the United Kingdom. So he could have easily just turned a blind, blind, blind eye to it, but he got the ball rolling. Now, while I'm excited, I am, I am excited at, at the prospect of this because I believe that the, these three uh, gentlemen's experiences, Leon, Darren, and, and Jimmy, will resonate with the kids that they speak to and, and the teens that they speak to. But I know that, Mike, you are, well, I'm, I, I don't want to say skeptical about the success of it, but you have some concerns. The concerns I have really are twofold. We usually, um, in media, now I'm not counting myself, obviously, among the big boys, but Usually there is a press release which is sent around mm -hmm. and we can actually expand upon, arrange interviews, but more than likely, um, I suppose, scale up what is being said. Yeah. So this being an opportunity, I was waiting for this to drop in my inbox. Nothing was actually there. Now, it made me think that the UFC have obviously lent their name, have lent their likeness, have lent their might behind this brand. So it was a little concerning that, you know, from the off, it just seemed like a bit of a soft launch. That was the first thing that concerned me. But I think more, um, uh, I suppose expansion needs to be emphasized on the fact that this is a anti-knife crime initiative yes. is what I thought this was supposed to be. But reading the press release, which I found on various other websites, uh, them being a mainstream press. Um, I was a little bit worried that that was buried and buried quite heavily. And my concern was if this was an actual um, anti-knife crime initiative, that needs to be said louder. Yeah. The amplification of this all in terms of the loudness could be done through media. And I just think and feel that is missing right now. How are these youths going to get involved? How are these youths going to be attracted to these programs? How much is going to be pushed towards marketing? How is this going to be discovered? So that for me is kind of like a, a little bit of a worry. I find this to be an admirable pursuit. And I love the fact that the names involved, Jimmy Manuel, powerhouse in terms of um, what he's done for mixed martial arts and his advocacy, um, basically steering children away, young adults away from youth violence. I think that's admirable. Similarly with Darren Till, similarly with Leon Edwards, I just feel what they're doing just needs amplification. 
looking in the mainstream press that was involved in it, if you if you want to guide my hand here and just remind me, I'm sure that the mirror was one of them. And when you look at the story that's attached to this from the mirror, it's exalting the mixed martial arts aspect of this, but spinning it into a story which focuses on the mixed martial arts as opposed to it being anti-knife crime. Um, as well as that, I, I think it was the Daily Star. Uh, perhaps, yeah, yeah. I think I think they I think they did do something as well. Yeah, they were on. Oh, was well, supposedly um, again amplifying this. I can't find anything which actually focuses in, pinpoint, and amplifies the whole anti knife crime nature of this. All I'm saying is this. We are here, there are other media outlets out there as well who want to lend their hand, lend their voice and to amplify what these individuals are doing. All I'm saying is people just need to reach out. People just need to accept and maybe work with us in order for this to be a success because I'm here waiting to do something. I'm here waiting to amplify this. I'm here waiting to actually lend my shoulder, lend my voice, lend my outlet to it. Just ask, we're here. Well, I, I hope that more details will be, will be forthcoming. I, I, I know that this is very much in its infancy, but like you said, you'd like to, I would have liked to have seen a, a bit of a breakdown, but not necessarily like a financial breakdown or just a, a tentative plan as to when the scheme will get up and running and when the first seminars will, will be taking place and when Darren Till and when Jimmy Manura will be visiting these, these, um, these kids that are on probation or, or what have you. I mean, hopefully that comes in time. But as you said, with, with regards to the message, you'd like to think that they'd get the message out to, or they'd get as many media members on board to amplify this. And like you said, at this moment in time, I've, well, other than uh, the, the piece that I wrote from my interview with, uh, with, with Jimmy about this, I've only, I've only seen one other news outlet report it. No, actually two, two, uh, two other outlets, including the, the, the new outlet, which I'm actually having a really good time reading, a violent money TV. You got to give them a, a follow, people. They're doing good things mm -hmm. uh, online on, on Twitter. So give them a follow. But yeah, I've only seen two other outlets, uh, one other national newspaper yeah, giving it giving it coverage. Which, I mean, it's 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 sad to see. And but hopefully, when more information is forthcoming, and um, then other outlets will get on board. Two hour reference. Wo TV ran the press release as well. Uh, my stirring around and actually cobbling bits and pieces together. Yeah. G, what are you quick, saying? Quick question. Uh, me and Kairos are stateside. We have a huge gun problem in America. So um, call me naive, but I'm not familiar with like, can you brief the American listeners on like what's going on in London that you would need that type of organization? I'm a little, you guys have a knife problem? Yes. In the, wow. like in, okay. so, I, I would say in London, Liverpool, Birmingham, the greater Manchester area, and, and indeed Glasgow and in, in, in Scotland, knife crime is in, it's an, ep, it's an epidemic. It, it, it really is an epidemic. I believe last year there were over 45,000 incidences of, of, uh, of, of knife crime, knife related incidents that were report, that were recorded by the police. So those are just the ones that were reported. And I believe 
I believe off the top of my head, I think there were 247 fatalities last year. And wow. the previous year, there were, I think, around 27 children under the age of 17 who died from, from knife crime. So it is a, it's, it, it's a serious a huge problem, issue. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a huge issue. But I mean, I know this might sound bad the, the way I'm saying it, but if we were to have guns, I would be the other way around. It would be a, it would be a gun problem because it, yeah. I can't remember what year, it, I can't remember what year it was, but there was uh, in, in Scotland, there was a famous shooting uh, called Dunblane where a gunman went into a primary school and he, I, I can't remember how many kids that he killed uh, there. It was, it was, a, it was a tragedy. And actually funny, well, not funny enough. Uh, Andy Murray, the tennis player was actually in the school where that, where that happened. But at the UK government got their act together and they, they just banned guns. And so, like, I mean, criminals have then obviously just turned to, to knives and, and what have you. So knife crime is a really, really big problem in, in the United Kingdom. And I mean, nowadays you, you can act if you're, if you're in the wrong area and if you were to even step on the wrong kids trainers, you could lose your life for it. And that's being, that's, that's being deadly serious. The kids these days, they'll, they'll stab people for, for nothing, for next wow. to nothing, which, wow. uh, which is why the, the initiatives like this are needed so you can get to them. So then you can, exactly. it's, still, it's still into the, it's still into their mindset. You don't need to carry a knife. You don't need to prove that you're, you're a tough man or by, t- by taking somebody's life, because if you do that, you're going to be left with that emotional scar and more than likely you're going to go to prison. Correct. In Dunblane, just to give you the figures, it was 16 pupils killed. Oh, my God. Yeah, I like that your government took action right away. We um, we have mass killings here all the time and nothing is ever really done about it. So I'm glad that your government was able to pump the brakes on that. And it's unfortunate that it gave birth to like another crime, unfortunately, knife stabbings. But it's like it's nice to hear initiatives like this taking place. And I am with Mike. I, I don't I don't fault Mike for wanting more. It's a serious issue. Let's not, you know, have all this hoopla behind it and have the UFC name and not do anything with it. But Mike, I will tell you, it just started. So let's what you know me. Let's wait. Let's yeah. let's see what they do. I, I definitely hear that. And that's yeah. where I started off by saying, look, it's a commendable initiative. And I think the mm-hmm. names are attached to it are the right names. These are advocates for um, anti-knife behavior and they've been saying this for the longest while. All I'm saying is, you know, let's start in the earnest way in which we have been campaigning for this to actually take place. Let's keep that momentum going because all the while that there is this inertia, children on the streets are being stabbed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're literally children. Yeah. Oh, horrible. It is. It is indeed. Kairos, any thoughts? We've had this conversation way too many times for me to give them the benefit of the doubt. This we've said this a lot. With let's wait to see what the UFC would do. Let's wait to see what the UFC. Would do. Let's look. We've done this a lot, and I've advocated for the UFC multiple times on this front, and I'm done doing it. If you really cared about it, every time we've seen the UFC actually care about something, it's not a soft launch. Oh, we care about the motherfucking forest fires in Australia. Here's $500,000. Here, oh, let's just spread the word. Let's get up. They, when, they care, when they care, when they truly care, the word gets out quickly. And they're underestimating <clears throat> the reach that they could have by contacting people who were local 
by contacting everyone they could possibly do. Like I remember there was a um there was a GoFundMe mic that you told me about. I wasn't even aware of. Like it was some sort of I don't remember what it was. And at the time I was at initiative where the local um black and minority ethnic community were actually getting together and doing for themselves and providing meals for lo the local community. Yes. And I would have never known about that had Mike not said anything. I was in the position to get like I was in the position to help out as I could. But had he not done that, never would have seen it, never been able to yeah. like contribute to that. And you got you're they're underestimating that. Like that was I wonder how many people Mike was able to get to contribute to that just based off of who he is and like me he's saying, okay, I definitely want to do what's in for the embedderment of those people. That that could be multiplied tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold. And then the UFC is just We've seen what they did for Black History Month. We've seen what they're probably going to do with other things. Like, it's just like, no, I just, I don't have any more faith. You don't have much faith, yeah. Yeah, y'all haven't done shit for women. I haven't really done shit for, like, abuse and, like, all that. So it's just like, I'm done defending you guys. I'm so yeah. done. I'm so done. I'm exhausted. Just fuck y'all. Yeah. yeah. But let, let's, let's have a little bit of balance here. We're not writing this off. Yeah. Remember, it's taken us this long to get to this. And they've had a, a few false starts, I can bet you, because I know that there are politicians who've poked their heads up above the parapet to say they would help and then suddenly gone quiet when they lost elections or not done so well politically. They, to have got this far and to have attached the UFC name to this is commendable. Yeah. All I'm saying is, look, let's keep the momentum going. Let's loud up this thing. Let's make sure it's amplified. Let's make sure that this information is getting out to the media. And unless I'm mistaken, unless this has dropped into my spam inbox, if they were serious about this, they would treat it like any other thing which they are passionate about. And they ensure that that gets the level of attention. Right now, as we sit here, did you guys know anything about it before we'd actually brought this to the oh. table? Mm -mm, not at all. There you go. No. Well, hopefully in time that will they'll they'll put their um, financial and social media muscle behind it and then the scheme can actually get off to a great start. But again, yeah. as you said, I'm not ready to completely write it off. I'll give it some time. Before, before doing so it's commendable as you said that they are they are behind this because the ufc is it's a global entity that everybody everybody knows so i'm i'm i'm, I'm optimistic to a certain extent but at the same time i won't necessarily be waiting with bated breath in the meantime over the coming weeks you will see fingers crossed if i can get this off the ground in terms of how i'm using Spaces to amplify these initiatives, to amplify these voices who want to work with me around um, anti-knife crime initiatives, you'll be seeing more of that on my timeline. Watch this space. All right. And I support that, Mike. So, you know, let me know what's going on. And even though I'm not from the UK, I support anything that's positive, uplifting, and that definitely could save children. So tag me in that as well. 100%. Okay, well, I guess we are wrapping up this week's Shots Fired. It's been, um, as usual, an emotional one. And uh, you know what? Instead of me closing out this show, I'm going to spin the ball. And G, 
You are closing out the show this week. What? I'm closing out the show? All right. Well, you happy motherfuckers. I hope all of you get vaccinated. I hope all of you still wear a mask. I love all of you, and I love everybody on the show. Love you, Mike. Love you, Kairos. Love you, Chisanga. And we will talk next week. We out. Peace.